recently saw an article where they asked kids ages 5 to 10 about different things on marriage and dating and relationships. They asked a little boy by the name of Mike, who's age 10. They said to him, you know, Mike, what is like the, the thing that happens when somebody goes out on a first date? What, what is a first date all about? And what little Mike, he said was, well, two people, they get together and they, they lie to one another in the hopes that they get a second date then. So, you know, that's, that was Mike's, uh, which actually isn't too far from the truth, is it, right? <laughs> Emma, she's age eight. She was asked, what is the ideal age for two people to get married? And Emma said, 84. Because when you're 84, she said, now you're retired and so you can spend all day in bed together loving one another. Now, you know, I wasn't planning on living to be 84. You know, I didn't think I wanted to get up that high, but if that's the goal, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, a good thing, right? And then finally, there was a little boy, his name is Zach, he is age 10, and he was asked, what does it take to really make a marriage work? And Zach said, well, tell your wife that she's beautiful even if she looks like a truck. So... <laughs> pretty good advice, isn't it? <laughs> now, those were very, very humorous, but what is not humorous is that by the time you get to be 50 years old, 42.6% of all Americans will have experienced a divorce. In other words, nearly half of all the people that live in the United States don't give much better answers to those questions about marriage and dating and relationships than what those little kids, ages 5 to 10, were able to give. And so that's why today we're starting a brand new series called Next Level Love. And what we're going to do is we're going to look for those of you that are single, how do we avoid you becoming one of those statistics? And then for those of you that are married, how do we take your love to that next level? Now, we're going to use two primary resources as we go through this series. The first is God's Word. That's always where we should look for any advice in life. And we're going to look at God's Word and see what does He say about what it means to go to the next level with our love. And there's a key verse we're going to look at each and every week of this particular series. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same what? Have the same, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, when Paul writes this, he's talking about all kinds of relationships. He's not just talking about romantic relationships, but that's what we're going to focus on throughout this series. So I want you to look at the verse here again. He says, in your relationships with one another, in other words, your romantic relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, in the original Greek, that word for mindset doesn't mean just to have the proper thinking. It goes deeper than that. It means to have such a strong thought, have such a strong opinion about something that it actually has you changing what you do, that you're actually acting upon the mindset that you have. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, look, in the romantic relationships that you have, you need to have the same mindset that Jesus has. Don't do relationships the way you want to do relationships. Find out what does Jesus say about relationships, and then you do your relationships his way, not your way. And so again, the most important thing that we can look at as far as relationships is concerned is what does the Word of God have to say about this? But there is a second resource that we're going to use as well. There is a guy, his name is Dr. John Van Epp, and he is a counselor. He specializes in relationships. 
He is a clinical psychologist. He's written a number of books, and he's a Christian counselor. Two of the books that he wrote is called Becoming Better Together, and that's for married couples. And then there's one called How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. Uh, I read both of these books uh, as I prepared for this series. And they're, they're both really, really good. I would strongly recommend that you pick up a copy of these books. And what Dr. Van Epp has done in his 20 years now of research is he's come up with a model to help us to understand what is it that really bonds a relationship between two people. It's called the RAM or the relational attachment model. And there's five aspects for it here. You see it that there's no trust, rely, commit, and touch. Again, these are the five things that if you're going to bond together a relationship, these are the things that you need to, to do. So let's say all these together. What are the five things we need to first know and then trust, rely, commit, and then touch. All right. What we're going to do over the course of this series is really break down each one of these five words to see what does God have to say about it. I'll give you a quick little uh, sort of a synopsis of the series. Singles, this is the relationship sort of model that God has for you and the order that it should be happening in. First you know, then you trust, rely, commit, and then touch. For those of you that are married, it looks more like this. It's, it's more like a, we, we have our soundboard back there, and there's all kinds of little, little sliders and stuff. And, you know, the, the higher you push it up, the, the uh, louder it is, right? And so if you think of this as a married couple, you would want to have, ideally, all five of these at max. Now, here's the thing that you need to realize. It's probably not going to happen that way. And let me just give you an example of why that is. Let's say you're a guy and you're really busy at work. You've got this huge, huge project that you're working on and you're really stressed out about it. I mean, there's just so much pressure that your boss is putting on you right now at work. But you don't tell your spouse about it. You're like, she's, she's got her own worries. She's stressed out about her own things. She's busy with her own work. She's busy taking care of the kids. And so I'm just not going to tell her what's going on and, and all the pressure that I'm feeling in my work right now. Which means by default then that your spouse now knows less about you. That no slider has gone down. But since you didn't tell your spouse what's going on and she knows not what's happening. She thinks that everything is the way it's always been. She thinks that she can rely on you to do all the things that you always do around the house. But now all of a sudden, those things aren't getting done, and she doesn't know why. She just sees that these things aren't getting done, and she says, you know what? I can't really rely on him that much anymore. And if she can't rely on you, guess what that means? That means the trust level has gone way way down. And how many of you guys know, those of you that are married, how many of you know if trust is way down? <laughs> right? The intimacy goes way, way down. But now as the guy, you're going, why doesn't she want to be intimate? Because now you don't know what she knows and doesn't know and all that kind of stuff, and you're just so confused. And so in your head, then you're going, I don't know, she's committed to me anymore. See how this works? 
All right, so again, what we're going to do throughout the series is we're going to look at each one of these and sort of uh, what they look like in relationships. So I'm going to start today. I want to talk to you that are, are single. How many single people we got today? Oh, single ladies. So. Oh, that, that's, uh, that's, that's referencing, uh, making me old now. <laughs> All right, those of you online, you're single, ready to mingle, type it in there. Maybe you'll find the love connection. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Here, here's the deal with this. When it comes to this, uh, this type of model, singles, can you see what is so different about God's way that he would do things as far as here's the progression that a relationship should go through? Do you see how this is so different than what many singles are living out? Do you see what I'm going at with this? Most singles today, they go, oh, I know you now because I met you on a dating app, and let's have sex. Right? We jump right from no right into the touch. Did you know that 48% of all millennials, when they were surveyed, said that it is okay to have sex with someone before you even go on the first date? See, that's what the dating apps have done for us, is, you know, a lot of people thought that when the dating apps came out, oh, I'm going to meet my soulmate, and, you know, we're going to get married and stuff. Basically, it's just a place that you hook up. And so we go right from no to touch. Now, even the millennials that are a little bit more traditional, they said if you're not having sex by the end of the third date, then it's an indicator to the other person that you're not interested in them. And so they feel this very, very high pressure that oh, we need to go right from, I just got to know you, right in to the touch. Now, listen, I know some of you are here today, you may not agree with all this, like, God stuff that we're looking at, but would you agree with me at least with this? That sex is more than just a physical bond that you have. There is an emotional bond that happens as well. Even if you just met somebody, still, if you're having sex with somebody, man, there is an emotional bond that happens. Which then here's the question. Why would you be emotionally bonded to somebody if you don't really know them? If you don't know if you can trust them, you don't know if you can rely on them, if they're committed to you and you're committed to them, why would you be doing this if you don't know anything about this? See how this is a real problem when we skip right to here? You're going, but Gilbert, I need to know if I'm sexually compatible with someone. Well, here's what I guarantee you. If you skip out on this stuff, you're going to have problems. Because if you'll do things in God's progression, in God's way, sexual compatibility will be there. If you first of all get to know somebody, then trust them, rely on them, commit to them, the sex is going to be great. I guarantee that. But again, I guarantee you, if you skip these other things, man, now it's just a crapshoot. And so what happens for a lot of people is we haven't fallen in love, we've fallen in lust with people. We're not really committed to them. We, we don't really know this person. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul writes this. He says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. 
So Paul says, run from that, but yet our society is quick to just jump right in the bed. Because what you've done is you've focused more on the chemistry you have with somebody than the compatibility that you have with somebody. Again, no to here, that's just about chemistry. Do I have chemistry? And you want to have chemistry with the person you're dating. You do. But what's most important is the compatibility. Did you really get to know this person? Can you trust them, rely on them, commit to them before you get to the touch? Because again, if you skip right from no to touch, Bad, bad things are going to happen. You're going to make some very poor decisions, and that's not just my opinion. There's actual research that's been done about this. In fact, there's a researcher, her name is Dr. Helen Fisher, and she's looked at the effect that love and lust has on the brain of somebody in the first 18 to 24 months of dating. And so what she did is she brought in all these participants. They were still in that first 18 to 24 months of dating, And she hooked them up to a brain scanner so that you could actually read what was firing or not firing in the brain at any time. And she then would ask them questions. And she would see, is this how the brain should be responding right now? Or is this how the brain shouldn't be responding right now? It's very, very fascinating. I would encourage you to look up some of her research. However, just be warned, it's a little geeky. Uh, you, you've got to like really read a lot of her like writings and understand like, and all the pictures of the scans and this is what's supposed to be happening and all that. I didn't have time to like learn that, become like a brain scan expert. <laughs> you know? So uh, what I did is I'm going to make it easy for you to understand because this is the way it was easy for me to understand it, okay? So I'm going to have you see some pictures here in just a second on the screen. And these pictures are not the actual brain scans, but this is just a representation of what happens, okay? Does everybody understand what's happening here? Okay, so they're going to put it on the screen for you right now. This is a picture of what the brain sort of would look like Normally, everything is sort of firing properly. The prefrontal cortex, which is where most of your decision-making, everything is happening okay. What she has discovered is that during the first 18 to 24 months of dating, this is what your brain looks like. Now, again, this isn't the actual scan of what happened. This is just my representation to you of what happens. Basically, every part of your brain that has anything to do with decision-making shuts off. And if you're having sex, well, then this is what it looks like. Now, again, I I did it that way to, to make it a little bit funny, but this is the actual research, that during the first 18 to 24 months of dating someone, basically every part of your brain that makes good decisions just goes by the wayside. Now, there's been even further research that's been done about this. They've taken her work, they've dug deeper into it. There's a a guy, his name is Dr. Richard Swartz, and here's what he writes. He says, when we are engaged in romantic love, the neural machinery responsible for making critical assessments of other people, including assessments of those with whom we are romantically involved, shuts down. That's the neural basis for the ancient wisdom, love is blind. Some of you are going, well, that explains a lot about, like, the last person I dated. (laughs) Because I don't know what I was thinking when I was dating that person. (laughs) The truth is, what the research has found is, you weren't thinking. By the way, this is why it's so important that when you are dating, you have other Christians in your life that love you and care for you, that they can, like, speak into your life and say, look, your brain is shut off right now. You're not making good decisions. 
How many ever had somebody in your family or a friend that you're like looking at this person they're dating and you're going, this is not the person for you? You ever seen that before? Yeah, we all have. Well, if we've seen it in other people's lives, what makes you think that it isn't going to happen in our own lives? That there are people in our lives that they're saying, man, this is not the right person for you. And so it's so important that you're asking people their thoughts and their opinions about it because, again, according to the research, your brain has shut off. You are not thinking correctly. Solomon in the Old Testament book, the Song of Solomon in chapter 8, verse 4, he writes this. He says, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. And so what I want to encourage you singles to do is get the no way up and the touch way down. Really get to know them. And then once you know them, all right, can I trust them? Can I rely on them? Can I commit to them? And then and only then do you bring sex into the equation. Because again, your brain is shut off. Do not awaken love before it's proper time, Solomon says. All right, now let me switch over and, and talk to those of you that are married. Because, again, you would think in your mind, you're going, oh, man, I would want to try to keep these all the way up here at a 10. Or at least try to keep some sort of balance here in some way. But here's the deal. Life happens. Seasons of life changes. You get a new job. You have a new child that comes into the equation. You move somewhere. Just things change and things go up and things go down and they're all over the place. And so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to find some sort of balance in the relationship. Try to keep it as balanced as you possibly can. So to, to do that, that's why, you know, here in, in week one, we're really concentrating on this whole thing of no. If you're going to try to have balance, you've got to really know your spouse, what's going on with them, what's happening in their life. And in order to know somebody, there's one key word, and that is communication. You have got to be talking with them. You've got to be communicating. You've got to get to know them better, always striving to know them better. Because, again, things change. My wife, Lisa, and I, we've been married 28 years now. And there are things that when we first got married that Lisa didn't like that now today she likes. And the flip side is true as well. There's things that when we first got married that I disliked that now I like. And so we change as time goes on. But you're not going to know about the changes in your spouse unless you're constantly talking to them, getting to know them as much as you possibly can. See, if you're not talking, you're not communicating, it's going to lead to misunderstandings and not knowing how to treat one another. In Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4, David writes this. He's talking about God. He says, you, meaning God, you have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. Before I even speak a word, you know what I will say. And so that's how God knows us. And that's how we should strive to know our spouse. You're going, but Gilbert, I'm not God. No, you're not. But remember our key verse for the series? What did Paul say that we're to do? 
We're to have the what? The same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus is God. And so Paul says, man, you can do this. In your romantic relationship, you can do this. You can have the same mindset as Jesus. And so this is the mindset of God, how God knows us. And so we should strive to know our spouse in the same way. Now, prior to, to saying about having the same mindset, just a couple verses earlier, Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with what? With one mind and one purpose. Here's the question. How can you be of one mind with somebody if you don't even know what's going on in their mind? Say that again. How can you be of one mind with somebody if you don't even know what's going on in their mind? So we've got to communicate, 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 talk, talk, talk. This is what's going on in my life. What's going on in your life? Just continue to communicate. Now, that sounds simple, right? It's just us opening up our mouths and using words. Here's the problem, though. Put it on your outline this way. This is the reason so many marriages struggle. Men and women communicate so differently. Men and women communicate so differently. I read a book many years ago, and it had this illustration in it, and I always use this in premarital counseling, and a lot of people go, man, I just always remember this. And it's this phrase that goes this way, that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Men are very compartmentalized, like a waffle, right? It has each of its own little sections, and each little section has its own little compartment for different things. So men are like waffles. This doesn't impact this over here, and that there doesn't impact what's happening down here. This is why, like, guys can be out on a basketball court and actually get into a fist fight with one another. And then at the end of it, they go, want to go get a beer? Right? Because what happened on the basketball court is separate than our friendship. So men are like waffles. Women are more like spaghetti. Everything is sort of intermingled together. Like, if you have a plate of spaghetti and you find one end of it, good luck trying to find the other end of it. Because everything is all connected together. Barb's getting a real kick out of this. <laughs> Is that an amen or no me? <laughs> and so what happens like with, with guys is because we're so compartmentalized, we come across very direct and forward, which can also sometimes be harsh and uncaring. Women, everything is just there. And so that means that everything is attached to everything else, and that's why women are stereotypically more emotional than what men are. Because everything is all connected together. It's just how it is. And this is the reason that most conflict happens in marriages is because of misunderstandings. I say red. Lisa hears me say green. I say, no, I said red. She says, no, you said green. I said, no, I didn't. She says, yes, you did. And I say, well, you just heard wrong then. Can you see how that could create some conflict? But here's the deal. Something we've got to understand. Perception is greater than reality. Say that again. Perception is greater than reality. The reality is maybe I really did say red, but she perceived that I said green. And guess what? 
the reality is now it's green. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, because that's what she heard. And so we've got to learn how to communicate. Maybe, again, that's not what I said, but that's now the reality. Communication is a hard thing. In fact, they're going to put something here on the screen for you of just how difficult communication is. Look at this. There is what I think I said, what you think I said, what I really said, why I said what I did, why you think I said what I did, how I felt about what I said, and how you felt about what I said. Does that make anybody's head want to explode? <laughs> I mean, no wonder we have such difficulties. Now, how do we go about solving this? Because, you know, the, the tendency is, you know, to go, well, I'm sorry you heard it that way. It's not what I said. Right? So we make it all about ourselves. Sorry you heard it that way. Again, do you see how that's going to create conflict when you come across in that way? So here's a little tip for you. Put it on your outline. Instead of saying, I'm sorry you heard that, say it this way. I'm sorry I came across that way. See the difference? Oh, man, I'm sorry I came across that way. Some of you are going, I'm never, ever saying that. Because I actually said what I said, and I meant it. I'm not going to say that, that I'm sorry I came across that way. But remember, our key verse is, have the mindset of Jesus. The way you've been communicating hasn't worked for you. So now take the mindset of Jesus. Change how you communicate with your spouse. It's got to change. Remember, Paul said that we're working to become one of mind and one of purpose. And then he actually gives the how-to. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, he says, Don't be jealous or proud, but be what? Be, be humble and consider others, in this case your spouse, consider others more important than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It's not about you. Put your spouse's interests before your own. Really get to know them. Because again, if this fader goes down and you're not knowing them, every other fader goes down as well. It's just what happens. You've got to communicate, communicate, communicate. Really get to know them because the more you get to know them, the more trust is going to be built, the more you're going to be able to rely on them, the more committed you'll be, and the more the physical intimacy will be there. Again, it's not about getting everything to a 10. It's about trying to find as much balance in this as you possibly can. Studies have been done, it shows that the number one reason for divorce is a lack of communication, where you just feel like you don't know each other anymore. That's because people just never learn how to properly communicate. Now, let me give you a, uh, a tip for those of you that are married. How do you communicate more? How do you really get to know your spouse more? Did you know that the average couple only talks to one another, married couple, they only talk to one another 20 minutes per day? But the average married couple spends over three hours a day watching TV and on social media? Guess what I'm saying to you is many of you have kept up with the Kardashians more than you kept up with your spouse. 
You're going, not me, Gilbert. I don't watch a lot of TV. You know, I'm not on social media. All right, well, let me give you this one. Some of you know your kids more than you know your spouse. Ouch. Let me remind you, God's priority for relationships, Jesus first, your spouse second, and your kids should be like way down here. But many of you put all your time into getting to know your kids. And by the way, this, this, uh, this ram, this is every relationship that you have. Now, there'd be appropriate touch, right? So I've been talking a lot today about sex, but there'd be appropriate touch. But even a, a business relationship or, or whatever, you get to know somebody and then you trust them, you rely on them, you make a commitment, and then, you know, you may give them a hug or something. Seal the deal. You know, handshake. Seal the deal. We're committed. And so it's the same way with, with your kids. A lot of you are spending so much time getting to know your kids that your spouse, you don't even know them. And what's that doing in your relationship? Everything else is going way down here. So you've got to get to know your spouse so that it brings all these things way up here. So again, cut back on the TV. Cut back on the social media. Really get to talking to your spouse. In fact, that's the the first challenge that I want to give you today is to do that very thing. I'm going to give a couple challenges to those of you that are uh, married and just like choose one of them. So that was the first one, cut back on the uh, TV and the social media. Second one would be this. If you're not already having a weekly date, make sure you do that. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just the time that you're together, you're communicating with each other. By the way, going to the movies or just sitting and watching TV, that doesn't count. Because again, you're just watching a screen at that point. I'm talking about actually communicating, actually getting to know your spouse better and better. So that'd be a second challenge. A third one would be this. If you're not in one of our life groups or you don't have some Christian friends who you can talk to and share life together with, you need to do that. Because every marriage is going to have its ups and downs, and so you need supporting couples around you that can help you to navigate those tough times that you're going to go through. Somebody that's going to bring an outside perspective to your relationship. Here's a fourth challenge. Some of you just flat out need counseling. Your marriage has gotten to the place where you just need to get some counseling, and that's okay. Don't allow pride to come in to the relationship. Get some counseling. I'll do it for free. We have Christopher that's here at the church. He is a licensed counselor. He'll do it for free. Just let us know. We'll do it. You go, I don't want to come to you guys. That's fine. Go get a a counselor. You know, pay for a counselor. That's fine. But here's the deal. If any time you need to go get counseling, whether it's for marriage or anything else, make sure it's always a Christian counselor. Do not, do not have a secular counselor because all they're going to do is tell you how the world says to do things, not how Jesus says to do things. Remember, we're to have the mindset of Jesus, not the mindset of Dr. Phil or Oprah or any of these other people. So get some counseling if you need some counseling. And then for everybody, I want to challenge you with this. Be here for all the parts of this series. It's a five-week series, so today was part one. Be here each week because what we're going to do each week is look at each of these words. What does God next week, what does he have to say about what does trust look like in a relationship? How do we start to trust in the way that God would want us to trust? Even if that trust has been broken. How many ever had your trust broken? And even by a spouse or somebody that you're dating. Man, when that happens, how do you rebuild trust? Or if you're single, how do you 
first of all, get to know, and then how do you trust them? Even before we do any of this stuff, how do you really get to trust somebody? So we'll look at that. Then in week three, rely. Week four, commit. And then finally, in the final week, we'll look at the touch. So please commit to being here each and every week of the series. It's going to be such an impactful thing for those of you that are single to, again, help you to avoid becoming one of those statistics. 42.6% divorce rate. Don't become a statistic. And then for those of you that are married, how do we take our love to that next level? All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the wisdom that's found in your word. That, Lord, no matter what it is that we're going through in life, your word has so much to say. And especially when it comes to dating and marriage and relationships and sex and all these things, your word is full of the best way. You have a plan for all of these things. So, Lord, I pray that we would take on your mindset, a new mindset for what it means to date, a new mindset for what it means to be married, that we wouldn't try to do it our way, that we would humble ourselves and say, what I've been doing oftentimes hasn't been working, and so I'm going to start doing it Jesus' way. So, Lord, I just pray that we would all commit to being here for each of the weeks of this series so that we can learn all these principles. We thank you for the wisdom of researchers like Dr. John Van Epp, who's uh, given us this model. And Lord, I just pray that we would take your word in a model like this, and it would just transform our lives and our relationships, taking us to that next level of love. Jesus, thank you again for who you are and the incredible ways you work in our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.